The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hats Minded. It's Patrick Bexel hosting and it's Jared Book that is always the expert nowadays, isn't it, Jared? <laughs> yeah, I try my best. I try my best. No, no promises on the expert part. Though. <laughs> um, we, we have very variated uh, opinions about what's going on with the Montreal <laughs> Canadiens right now, you and me. So so hopefully that bring up some attitudes for, for, for the podcast. But yeah, we've seen Cole Cowfield uh, stepping up, scoring three goals in, in uh, four games. Yeah, you know... <sighs> Yeah, we'll we'll get into it again. But yeah, I mean, Caulfield's been been better than I think expected. Uh, he hasn't really set himself up for for success five on five, but really none of the Canadians have been having success five on five. So, I, I think that this this little trial or whatever you want to call it is is serving its purpose. It's getting him used to the NHL level, and it's getting him to play, and that's what everybody wanted. So, whether it's at the NHL level or the AHL level, it, it's getting him used to. You know, now he's getting used to the NHL. So I, I think whatever he does is kind of, you know, extra uh, on, on top of, of what he is. And listen, the Canadians need a guy who can score goals and he can score goals. So, you know, that three on three, he's the guy you want out there. Shootout, if it gets to a shootout before the end of the season in the last two games, uh, you want him in the shootout. So, yeah, I mean, he, he does things for the Canadians that they don't have anybody else that can do it. So, in that sense, uh, I think that he's he's helping the team, and especially now when you know they're they're very very shorthanded. And it is a little bit like we expected in a couple of podcasts ago, where we said you play him on the power play, you play him on three on three, and and mm-hmm. um, you you play him carefully five on five, and and that is what seemed to have happened. And, and uh, well, we can uh, challenge uh, Ducharme's uh, coaching at some points. So you, you you can't really fault him at that point. Yeah, you know, they're putting him in positions to succeed, right? They're, they're putting him, they're not putting him with, you know, a lot of people would probably want him to play with Kakaniemi or Suzuki and, and play, you know, a, a really offensive role. The problem is, is that when you're playing teams like Toronto on the road, they're going to exploit that. <laughs> they're not going to let them play in the offensive zone. They're going to let them play defensively. So you see him in, Joel Bouchard did, did this in Laval all year. He had a young guy or two young guys insulated by a veteran you know he had uh jesse ulanen playing with wheel and bayer he had uh paling and teasdale playing with blandisi uh that that's what he's been doing all year he's been putting uh harvey pinard uh has been playing with veterans that's that's what he's been doing all season and that's what ducharme's doing with caulfield and, and to a certain extent suzuki and kanyemi as well you don't want to overwhelm your young players you you want to be able to put them in positions to succeed you know Caulfield putting them putting him at home 
with Tatar or sorry Anderson, I guess that game and Dano is putting him in a position to succeed, and, and that's what he's doing. I, I think you know, like you said, there, there's maybe some things that you would rather Ducharme not do, or, or but you know, for me, he's putting field in a position to, to succeed, and and that's that's all you can ask. Speaking about Ducharme and, and and some of the coaching situa- situations he's been in, um, really um, leaving. Primo in um, the other day for, for so long. It was really, really something that no one really expected. And also, you, wouldn't it, with, with Montreal being able to clinch it, wouldn't it have been better to play Jake Allen from the start? No. <laughs> Honestly, it was weird at the time, but by hearing his explanation afterwards, when he said that he didn't want Allen to go in cold he wanted to be able to stretch uh, during the intermission and 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 come in a little bit more warmer because Kerry price is already hurt that makes sense to me right it it, it made more sense that way than the other way around you can argue that they should have flipped around maybe play primo against ottawa allen against toronto uh and and set it up that way or maybe even allen in both games that like you said yeah it could have worked but if if allen beats ottawa on, on, you know, we're not having this conversation. If the team shows up, you know, that, that's not the reason they lost. You know, Primo, yes, he could have played better. Yes, Allen could have played better against Ottawa. I don't think the way that as bad as the team played in those two games, I don't think the goaltender or when he pulled the goaltender really makes any difference, to be completely honest. I, I think that you need, you know, neither one of those goalies was going to steal the game. So at that point, what, what it doesn't really make that much of a difference to be complete. Like the team needs to be better and we'll get into that, I guess a little bit later on, but yeah, it, for me, it didn't really make a difference one way or the other. You, you could criticize it. Yes. But the way I look at it, when you criticize decisions, it would making the other decision have made a difference. And I don't know if it would have. Nah, that's one way of looking at it. And I actually hadn't heard the comment from, from Desharam uh, after the game. And then it explains a yeah. little bit, but yeah, you have to you have to wonder, and I mean, like, there's always the if and but and and whatnot. So we, we shouldn't really dwell Definitely. on it. But but obviously, it looks like Montreal is about to clinch anyway. And um, what I like right now is that they don't rush these guys in um, to to return as fast as possible into the eyes. Oh, they're sure. they're trying to get them in shape for the playoffs. And um, you have Byron, you have. Um, Price, you have Weber, uh, who who is it? Gallagher. is out, obviously. Gallagher is out, uh, and the only one that is really scaring me a little bit, and then I'm worried about, is Dano because we don't really know how much and how bad of a concussion that was. Yeah, you know, anytime you hear concussion, you you think, okay, at least a week, right? Uh, the the good news is, is that they they might have a little extra time after the playoffs, right? So, or after regular season. So yeah, Dano is a, tr- a tricky one, kind of like Price, because you don't know when he's going to be ready. You can't, you know, a broken bone, you could be like, okay, in four weeks, the, you know, four to six weeks, they'll be ready. Concussion, you have no idea. And that's, yeah, it could be, he could be ready in a week. He could be ready in two weeks. He could be through, like, who knows? So yeah, it is concerning that it is a concussion. Uh, but but the fact that he's in protocol and and we're, and you know like you said not rushing back that that's a positive and you know hopefully he'll be back by the time you know game one rolls around. 
And it is really interesting. At one point, it looked like Montreal would be able to squeeze by um, Winnipeg to get that third seed and play Edmonton, a team that have they have been very successful against uh, over the last over this season, really. Whereas um, finishing the season against Toronto seven three, it doesn't really speak a lot of, of confidence into a seven game playoff series. Well, they, they, they still have a chance to pass Winnipeg. It's not going to be necessarily easy, but, you know, they, they win both games against Edmonton, and then you put the pressure on Winnipeg to to win at least one of their last three games as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, you know what? I don't think it really makes that much of a difference. You know, if if the goal is to get out of the North, which is, you know, winning two rounds, you're going to have to beat two teams anyway. Uh, the order doesn't really matter that much. But, you know, Toronto... Is, is the better team. I think that there's no doubt about that. But Edmonton, you know, either way, you know, do you really want to play, you know, McDavid or Matthews in, in the first round? Like Toronto obviously is a better team than, than Edmonton all around. But I, I don't think it makes a difference. You have to beat both teams anyway, right? If, you know, if you look back at, let's say you go back to 2010, right? Montreal played Washington in round one, Pittsburgh in round two. Did it really? Would it really have made a difference if they played, you know, Pittsburgh in round one and, and Washington in round two? Probably not. So you know, you're it would have been better to, to play through... Philadelphia in round one, right? Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or or hope that Boston could have converted on their three nothing lead, right, in the series. But yeah, I think you know exactly. You know, you're gonna have to get through two teams anyway, right? Whether it's Edmonton or Winnipeg, whoever wins that series, or Toronto or the other way around. It, it, you know it. So I don't think the order matters that much. If Montreal, and I think that we're, we're, we're slowly getting to this, but if Montreal doesn't play better, it doesn't matter who they're facing. And, you know, the what, what I look at it, and I look at both these teams, you know, whether it's Jack Campbell or Frederick Anderson or Mike Smith or, you know, probably Mike Smith or, or Miko Koskinen, that the goaltending is not very good it, or it's not, hundred percent reliable on the other side, right? It, it's not like they're running into Carter Hart, uh, on you know, or last season's Carter Hart. Let me be very clear about that. Uh, <laughs> this season, yeah, Carter Hart. Hand, you probably you don't wanna... <laughs> know which which Carey Price is going to show up either. Absolutely, and you know, there's questions on both sides. But I, I, Toronto is not invincible, and neither is Edmonton, and neither is Winnipeg, and obviously neither is Montreal. You know, it's not like they're running into. Um, a team that's unbeatable. There, there's a blueprint to beating these teams. And, you know, I, I guess I don't really panic when I look at the last three games against Toronto because Montreal is not at full strength. So I, I, for me, people who are, you know, worried about how Montreal's going into the playoffs, for me, it doesn't really make a difference because, you know, come game one of the playoffs, we'll find out what this team is. And, and this team might be, the team we're seeing now, it might be a really bad team. We, but we don't know right now. We can't judge them on these games. It's a really bad, bad schedule. Um, worse than pretty much almost every team in the, in the North, except for Vancouver. And we, we see what that schedule did to Dallas, you know, a, a team that made the Stanley cup final last year. And this year missed the playoffs because they, they've been playing four games a week for the last, you know, two months. So, in, in that sense, I don't know if we really know what this Montreal team is right now. Uh, but yeah, for me, it doesn't make a difference whether to play Toronto or, or Edmonton in round one, because the ultimate goal is that you'll have to play both of them anyway. 
looking at least two at, teams anyway. Looking at the lineups that, that or, or the people coming into the lineup, uh, the question is if will Byron be able to, to force his way into it? Uh, obviously, Dano, we don't know. Uh, Price should be a starter. Um, but but the quest, the big question mark after this season and then during this season really is, is Shea Weber that number one defenseman anymore? I don't think he is, but I don't think he's necessarily a number six defenseman either. I think that I, I've said this a lot, I think, on the podcast in the last couple of years is whether Jeff Petrie or Shea Weber are number one defenseman is irrelevant. The fact is you have both of them and both of them can take pressure off the other. So, you know, whether, you know, Petrie is having a down spell or Weber's having a down spell or, or Petrie's hurt or Weber's hurt. The, the fact is the strength of this team is, you know, it was, it was a trident in the playoffs for a reason because you had three pieces with Ben Sherratt now, you know, uh, whatever, a square or a spork with, with Joel Edmondson as, as the fourth guy in that. I, I think that that's, that's the, the strength of this team is that you have both of them, right? You, you can play both of them 50 minutes and one of them is, is going to be on the ice for, you know, 45 minutes or 50 minutes of, of a hockey game. And, and that's the strength. You know, I think that Weber, you know, getting this time off is good, right? You know, you mentioned not rushing guys back through injuries, not having them play through injuries is, is huge. It, there's no doubt in my mind that if Montreal needed these games, Shea Weber would be in the lineup. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I'm I'm pretty sure that Shea Weber would be playing. If he was playing through it for as long as he was, I don't think it suddenly got to a point where he's like, you know what, I have to sit out now. Uh, I think it's like, listen, just take a little rest, come back and and be good. And I think, you know, that's a positive going into this is, is that, you know, guys need rest, <laughs> especially on this Montreal team. Like they've been playing a lot of hockey. And, you know, Philip Deneau, you know, Dominic Ducharme, the way he was talking after Deneau left the game uh, against against Ottawa, or was it Toronto? Against Toronto, yeah, sorry, against Toronto, is that, you know, he, oh, he's been playing through something, and then, oh, he also got a concussion. You know, maybe that's a good thing, is that, you know, give him rest, have him stay uh, to the sidelines for, for a week or so, and then come back, you know, maybe a little bit healthier than he would have been. So, for me... I think that that's a positive. You know, yes, it means that the Canadians are playing shorthanded or, or at least with a lesser lineup right now, but, you know, this team wasn't built to finish third or fourth. That, that's not what this team is, is built for. This team was built to have success in the playoffs, and we'll see whether that strategy plays out. One team that doesn't get to play in the playoffs this year is obviously the Rocket in Laval, but, but they've had a great season anyway, haven't they? Yeah, you know, and talking about injuries, <laughs> you know, they, they, they have injuries. They had to play Josh Brook at forward because the, they didn't have enough forwards. So, I, I mean, yeah, Laval Rocket have, have played a, a great year. You know, they've they've had a got the short end of the stick. You know, on multiple occasions, players have said how how they wish they were able to they would be able to play at Place Bell with fans in the stand because that place would be when when you know, and you see it in Montreal too, right? When Montreal is playing well or it's the playoffs, the Bell Center is like no other arena in hockey. And, and Place Bell is a little bit smaller. The The Rocket aren't the Canadians, but that, that place would be rocking if they they get a successful team. And, and hopefully by next year, you know, the Rocket aren't going anywhere. 
they're, they're going to be good for, for the next few years. And, and, you know, hopefully next year they'll have fans in the stand and they'll be able to have um, a building that, that will give them that little push because yeah, it's, they're, they're building something in Laval and, and in the Canadians organization that they're, you know, even if this season hasn't gone the way that, that the Canadians would have liked at the NHL level, the Rocket are showing what, what's, what patience is, is, is um, going to pay off with in the end with, with this team and, and the Rocket are, are fun to watch. And, you know, it, it asks, it asks the question, what happens with Joel Bouchard in the third year of the three-year contract? And, you know, what happens whether, you know, obviously there's not the questions about Dominic Ducharme and there's questions about Mark Bergevin. There's a lot of questions and, and the playoffs are going to answer, or at least, make the answers a little bit more evident, I think, uh, going forward. You mentioned, and, and uh, the, the, the Twitter swear is, is obviously buzzing with it, uh, Molson and Bergevin is meeting to discuss either an extension or, or finishing off in style. What do you think it leans towards? I, I, don't, I don't think that there's any decision. That's gonna, you can't make a decision yet, right? This team is, you know, maybe they're a little bit more disappointing in the regular season, but you know, they're missing, they're missing their six, but you know, six of their top players right now. Like people are, are, you know, saying they're limping into the playoffs. Yeah. They're limping into the playoffs. They're missing their six best players. Take, take, you know, take the six best players off Toronto or off of Edmonton or off of Winnipeg and you'll see the exact same thing. Like, I don't know what people expect from this team right now. Uh, you know, and the, the, the hope is that they, get to the playoffs and they, they, they change, you know, they, they change the direction that they're heading in right now, but there's obviously no guarantee of that. And yes, this team is built to withstand, you know, injuries, right? That's why they brought in Josh Anderson and Tyler Toffoli and Edmondson and John Merrill and even Eric Stahl and, you know, all these guys, Corey Perry and Michael Froelich. That's why they brought them in to, to, to give themselves more depth, but I don't Jake Allen as well, obviously. But I don't think this team was built to withstand Weber and Gallagher and Byron and Drouin and, you know, Price. Price. And, and, you know, it's like, yes, you know, they and, you know, you can argue if they don't have Edmondson and Allen, they, they, they might not even be in the playoffs, you know, that like we're talking about right now. We're not talking about limping them into playoffs. We're just talking about missing them all together. So, yeah, I, I, injuries have been hit them hard lately as opposed to other teams that maybe have been hit hard um, early in the season. But I don't know if these 54 games that the Canadians have played so far has given any more clarity on the future of Mark Bergevin and, and even Dominic Ducharme. I, I don't know if you have that clarity. Uh, I, I think you're going to need to see that team in the playoffs and see what team shows up because if they – show up healthy and play well in the playoffs, then Bergevin and Ducharme are probably safe. Um, if they don't, then they're, you know, if they get knocked out in four games, then that's probably, you know, maybe the end of the road, or maybe we're talking about Bergevin taking a more um, hands-off approach and, you know, he becomes the, the executive and someone else makes the hockey decisions. I don't know, but I, I think you have to start talking <laughs> about, about what's going on and, you know, obviously he's responsible for building the pipeline that is paying off in Laval too, right? So uh, I understand the need of NHL results. I've, I've banged that drum. Um, and he does need NHL results. 
but I, I the injuries complicate things and how you evaluate Mark Bergevin because you know do you want to give him an extension? Probably not. But at the same time, um, do you do you want to start over again right now? Either I, I'm happy it's not my decision because I can see the arguments on both sides. I can see the people who's like just just get a new GM, please, just try something. And I can see the people be like, listen, it's finally starting to pay off. Why why cut it off here? So I'm happy it's not my decision uh, because I, I definitely see the pros and cons to, to both sides. I, I, I it's it's a tough decision, and you know you can argue that this organization is at a crossroads right now, and the next you know month can d- dictate the next five years of this organization. Not to be overly dramatic or anything like that, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's crunch time. It's crunch time. We're gonna see what this team really is. You mentioned the pipeline, and, and that's one thing that Mark Bergevin has done fantastically. He's built up a pipeline. He's strengthened the, the rocket. He, uh, or, or Montreal, is involved in Trois-Rivers as well. So, so there are things improving, but it's also creating a little bit of conundrum. Um, we see players that are being let go because the uh, 50 contract limit is up, and, and John Misak has obviously signed with with Montreal, a professional contract. And that is another contract that is off the books for, for, for someone else to try to get. And um, we have obviously players like Yoni Ikonen and, and others that are on the way out their four year or, or two year um, limit from the draft is, is not gonna be extended. And, and the question is what you can do, but, but and we have a draft that is coming up and, and for sure, Mark Bergevin would want to sign some of these players or at least a top first round pick unless he trades that, which I think is not something that he will do lightly. Um, and and it creates a little bit of conundrum and we will have to see fan favorites leave. We saw it a little bit last year, but we've seen Sean Farrell burning through the, the, the uh, Junior Hockey League this year and he will go to the NCAA and obviously he's not contract eligible, but there are others coming through that are, and it will be very, very interesting in, in the off season, what will happen. Um, and, and is this something we can expect for all time now? We see it a little bit in Toronto as well. I mean, like they are the blueprint really with, with a good development system. There's obviously been some times where you think they might have done something not as smart as they normally do but but obviously they they have a really good pipeline and they have the marlies in the same city etc etc yeah i i think that you know the the you see the cap situation too right you know i i think I, i'd be very shocked if paul byron comes back next year um obviously the no tatar armia lekanin you know there's gonna be some perry there's gonna be some guys that just aren't gonna fit that's just the reality of the situation. So, yeah, I think that you're going to see some changes. Um, I think this offseason was really the uh, building the the pipeline to eventually, you know, get guys on, on the other side, right? Like, you know, maybe Tyler Toffoli this year, you know, knowing that Caulfield and, and everyone was coming in uh, was a little bit extra to have him start the season on the third line. But when you know, you're probably not going to re-sign Thomas Tatar, then, you know, you have somebody who can slip into that spot or, you know what I mean? So I I think that, yeah, there's definitely going to be some turnover. Uh, I think that's to be expected when you're 
a team that's going towards the top of the cap. When you're looking at prospects that might not get contracts, uh, I think that, yeah, that's definitely uh, something to keep in mind. Um, but, but they do have, they do have some leeway, you know, like if you look at the expiring contracts in that group is, you know, guys like uh, Gustafson, who's not going to come back. Uh, Merrill probably is not going to come back. Stahl is not going to come back. Um, Charlie Lindgren is a UFA. He's probably not going to come back. Michael Froelich, probably not going to come back. You know, are they going to re-sign Pizzetta again after his entry-level contract? Probably not. Uh, Jordan Wheel is probably not going to come back. You know, there's rumors that he's already agreed to a contract in the KHL. Uh, so, yeah, he's probably not going to come back. You know, they, they you know, Vedamo is, is a free agent. Maybe he doesn't come back. You know, who knows, right? Like, there, there's going to be guys that are going to come back um for sure but yeah they have they have some flexibility you know they you know gustav olsen is a a ufa um demchenko is probably not going to come back um you know there's going to be guys who aren't going to come back this year so next year so they they do have some leeway but yeah you know rafael harvey pinard is going to need a contract he's going to get a contract um you know but jacob bagarier is probably not going to get a contract you know i I don't think that that's necessarily going to happen he might but i i don't know if he will so yeah, there's going to be guys that are going to be like, oh, we saw it with, uh, you know, Jared Tishka and, and Scott Walford a couple of years ago, or Alan McShane and Cole Fonstad, uh, you know, last year. There's going to be guys that aren't going to get contracts, but that's that's the whole point, right? You don't want to be in a position where you have to give guys contracts. You know, you give guys contracts who who deserve it and who have an NHL future. So, you know, we saw Corey Schooneman get a contract this year from Laval, uh, who was previously on an AHL contract. Alex Belzil started his um, rocket career on an AHL contract. Um, so, you know, th- there's guys who are, you know, you want to give guys contracts who you see a future with, you know, Alex Belzil three years ago, probably didn't have an NHL future um, when, when people signed when he signed with the rocket, but he's built into that. So, yeah, I, I think that there's definitely going to be some turnover, right? If off season was, Oh, they're, you know, yes, they, they lost Max Domi, um, obviously in a trade for, for Josh Anderson, but last year was really an off season of adding, you know, add Josh Anderson, you add Tyler Toffoli, you add Joel Edmonton, you add Jake Allen, you know, they, they, they reinforced their team. This year is going to be more, okay. We might see some guys leave and that's okay because they're, they're still going to be in a position to, to, to be in a, in a good spot, right? They have Cole Caulfield. They have, you know, Jake Evans. They, they have uh, Ryan Paling. They have uh, Jesse Ullinen. Guys who can maybe necessarily, you know, challenge, you know, Kale Fleury, Josh Brook. Guys who can challenge for NHL jobs uh, next next year with another year of, of pro hockey under their belt. So, yeah, it's going to be tough, but that's what, you know, high expectations does. High expectations means you're going to have to make t- tough decisions. Who is this Jesse Ullinen that you're speaking about? Yeah, he's not. He's not bad, right? <laughs> nah, I was more thinking: is it is that someone yesterday that I don't know about? Because I I, I only know Jesse Ullinen. What did I say? <laughs> Ullinen. <laughs> is it Ullinen? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, at least it's not Yolonen, right? Uh, at least, at least it was not that. I'm, I'm just teasing you, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> we we need to finish this podcast with a bit of a laugh because yeah, the year the, the year that has been and uh, relax, every, every, you know, just relax. Yeah, relax. And, and uh, this I, 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 that I, is I, coming I, on, and, and <laughs> obviously, but but the finishing question, Jared, and and I 
am not happy. I'll be honest with that. I don't think that, you know, um, first round exit in the playoffs is a passing grade this year. I, I don't think so. That's my personal. Uh, I don't think so either, to be clear. Uh, I, 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 don't th- I don't think that they are either, uh, that it is either. I, I think that a first, depending on how it looks, but a first round exit will be disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. Even if the, as the four seed. But I, I don't think that I don't think that they're necessarily going to have a, a four game playoff exit based on you know the last two weeks. I, I don't think that you can use the last two weeks to predict what's going to happen in the future. They, they might very well go out in four games. I'm not saying they won't, uh, but but I, I think that we we uh, it's I, I what what's going to happen is game one. Game one is going to tell you, or maybe even game two, but you know, the playoffs are going to say what this team really is. And maybe this team is really bad. And that's, that's on, that's on the people building it, but I'm not willing to make that, that, that proclamation now based on the last week or so, or two weeks or three weeks. Uh, I, I think that you're, you know, once they have game one, they have a little bit more rest. They have some guys come back from injuries. That's when, you know, players turn it up from, you know, a nine to a 10, that's when you're really going to see what, what, what this team is. I'm not saying that they're absolutely, I'm not saying, oh, don't worry about it. They're going to be fine in the playoffs. They might very well not be fine, but I need to see them in the playoffs before I make that, that, that proclamation. But, but paper-wise and, and what we know nowadays from what mm-hmm. we've seen this season, a first-round exit is not really a passing grade for the season. No, I don't think so. Uh, this team wasn't built to, to go out in round one. It's not going to be easy. And, you know, they might not even be at 100% roster-wise or, or health-wise. You know, I, I doubt we see Jonathan Drouin back. Uh, maybe they get, you know, everyone else back. But Philip Dano is a question mark. I, 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 I don't think it's necessarily fair um, that, that we judge them on that. But, yeah, I think that serious questions need to be asked this, if, if this team goes out in round one. Again, depending on how they go out. But, yeah, I, I think that the expectation should be a little bit higher. For this team, absolutely. We will finish the uh, the Europe the, the, the podcast with a little bit of European segment. The only big news or big news, the only news in Europe this week was really that uh, well, Jacob Olsson is just playing uh, his uh, final again after a three week hiatus of uh, of uh, play because of the COVID outbreaks in both final teams for for the SHL spot. But um, Dishov signed. Uh, who, who had signed with the zoo uh, has signed with Kyrgyzstan in Allsvenskan in uh, Sweden for next year, and that will be an interesting follow. Um, obviously, HV seventy one uh, went down from SHL to Allsvenskan as well, which is reasonably close to me. Uh, so I will be able to watch some of these games live, and uh, it will be very interesting to see how. He has fared this season. He's part of the Danish national team right now, but he has played very few games. And uh, uh, is he a goalie for the future? That is what we need to figure out next year. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of a lot of Europeans are going to look at the OHL and even you know the the CHL in general and be like, ooh, <laughs> maybe I stay. You know, even the AHL, right? Um, I think they're going to look at being like, you know what, maybe I'll just stay in Europe <laughs> the next year. Maybe the quality isn't as good as I would have get, but at least I'll have a, a sure place to play because yeah, a lot of guys um, who thought they would have the OHL didn't have the OHL this year. And there's, there's reasons for that. Obviously I'm not saying that it was a bad decision, but yeah, I mean, 
it, it's it's not the best, I, most ideal situation for for a lot but of players. Last year, the Sioux signing looked really as a good signing. Obviously, we didn't know what was to expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, one Absolutely, pl- one player, and and I hate to say this, that has really succeeded in in staying that extra year or two in in Sweden is Pontus Holmberg in in uh, a Toronto prospect who is more or less leading Vekhe in the final series against Rögle, where Morris Sider has been not dominating uh, for his team. But there are two youngsters playing very well in the SHL finals, and uh, both of them will be seen shortly in the NHL. I'm, I'm relatively sure about that. Uh, thank you guys for listening to Habs and Minded. Uh, Jared Book, always a pleasure having you on. And uh, everyone, get vaccinated so we can get some uh, crowds into that Bell Center <laughs> for the playoffs. You can even get vaccinated at the Bell Center. Uh, I, I was I was there this week, uh, and it, you know I I think that it's only it's closed like it's it's only specific people can that can go. But yeah, it, it, yeah, um, it, it's getting the, the light at the end of the tunnel is is coming. <laughs>